That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobber Knocker Podcast. As always, I'm JC, and with me is my guy, Nestlemania. It's another day. It's another week. Let's do this thing. Certainly is, and we are, like we, uh, like we always do, going to get to the fun, but we just want to say quickly off the top, it has obviously been a very tough week um, in the world of wrestling, period. Um, to those victims, um, we're here for you. We encourage you to speak out. We support you speaking out. Um, Obviously, with something like this and any towards kinds of business or entertainment, there's always an ugly side, and this is certainly the ugliest of sides. And hopefully, um, this is step one in weeding out those uh, the ugly sides of the industry and making it a safer place for everyone to work. And to the people that are involved, the one thing I would say is apologies aren't enough. And the only real change you can make about this is a changed behavior. So find help, seek help and show people that you are going to change because this is a bad mentality to have. Absolutely. And obviously there is no easy way to transition off that. Um, We're going to kind of leave that there, and we're going to move on now to the regular part of our show and get right into the shine. And on Nestlemania, um, looking at the two shows this week, I actually enjoyed most of SmackDown and most of Raw. I feel like that this week one of Bill Pritchard being the czar seems to go off well. But you know what? I'm going to kick us off with the person that I think deserves the most credit in the world because she gets so much crap, so much crap for always, but all she does is nothing but elevate people, and that's right. I'm talking about the queen, Charlotte Flair. She interrupted Nia's little sit-in there. Um, they had a nice little back and forth on the promo, which I thought gave Nia her shit back after her thing with Asuka. It made Nia look like a badass again because she's going against the queen. Uh, Charlotte in that promo, I don't know if you heard it in WrestleMania, but she used uh, the word ballet, which I know is a trigger for you, so that obviously... Uh, hey, I, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> But I hear ballet. I hear you giggling in the background, like just—it's ridiculous. Oh my god, that was that was literally that was like the 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 Jimmy's on top of my Sunday. Um, I'm not a cherry guy, so I like sprinkles. Um, so that was great. She obviously then put over Oscar in the match hard, and then put Nia over backstage by getting beat up. Charlotte, the elevator. Um, I just thought that she deserves all the credit in the world this week, and she was my favorite part of programming this week, Mister Nestlemania. Had a feeling. I had a feeling when I saw your tweet that you were going to say, I thought hashtag the elevator or whatever. So, <laughs> look, uh, look, I will say this much. Um, I enjoyed the Naya back and forth, actually. I thought it was it was uh, nice. It was somebody, like Charlotte clearly is, is, is this woman that transcends, you know, the division. She transcends WWE sometimes. She's just kind of like, she's up there. And a lot of people are kind of chasing her and not necessarily at eye level or, or dealing with how good she is. But Nia's right in her eyesight, right in her eye line. And just when I watched it, I went, well, Nia said she kicked her ass back. Nia said she can do it again. I'd like to see it, you know. And it was, I, I, here's, here's, here's what I would say. I'm, or I'm more focused on the Nia aspect of this because I love a good sit-in in the middle of the wrestling room. Like, I, I for the love of God, I don't know why, but when a show stops and it's someone throwing a hissy fit and sitting down in a chair, I'm not moving until yada, 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 and hit the fucking music because someone else is going to interrupt me. Like, I always fall for that every time. I fall in love with that. I don't know why. It's I a do. It's a stupid little device, but I love it. I know why you love it. Because that is what you would do. You'd throw a temper tantrum until someone tries to force you out. Oh, Jesus. Just like oh, you do Jesus. when you argue. Yes, it's perfect. No, 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 I no, love no, it. Look, I love it. No, 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 no. No, look. No. <clears throat> Here's something, here's something I would like to state for the record. Um, Nia Jax hurt Charlotte in that segment in her, I believe her right, no, sorry, her left shoulder. 
her left shoulder gets taped up. They cut to the backstage segment where she talks about not being ballet because, you know, it's fine. Charlie adds a seat of doubt saying, oh, my God, your shoulder, your shoulder, your shoulder, whatever. And they have the match with Asuka. The match with Asuka was great. I have, I have no, no problem with the match. Thought it was great. Enjoyed it. But the commentary team was just sitting there going, oh, can she beat her with her bad shoulder? da 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 and then Oscar's doing a good job with the shoulder, which is fine. But they had to fucking do the shoulder bit the whole fucking way, the whole night, the whole yada, 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 yada. When everybody's sitting there going, oh, she beat her clean. She beat her clean. She did beat her clean. She needed another woman to beat her up. And then, yes, she tapped out because she can tap out because it doesn't matter. She's a player. She'll always come out on top. It doesn't matter. But she did not win cleanly. Cleanly would have implied that she was 100%. So, Ray well, Ray, get off your high she horse. did get not. Whatever you're doing, because you and Ray Ray and TJ and all these guys are going to come at me and say that, you know, oh, my God, she's an elevator. She put people over. Yes, yeah, she did. She but, is. And then, and then, and then afterwards, she's sitting there backstage talking about how bad her arm is. And then, of course, Naya comes and makes it worse. So, they had to make it more about Charlotte than they did more about Asuka finally beating Charlotte. Nestle. They made it all about Charlotte. The, the Don't one, give me that yes, shit. but here's your gripe. It's not with Charlotte Flair. It's how they are doing it, not her. She is out there. She freaking tapped out. How much grief do you always give people being like, oh, they didn't tap out. That's the ultimate way. Blah, blah, blah. She tapped up. That means she gave up and admitted Asuka was the better person in that match. That stuff happens all the time in wrestling. This is how you do it. This is how you get someone over because it leads to more future stories. Because now, who knows? Charlotte could be out a week. She could be out two weeks. She could be out a couple months. We don't know. But it leaves open feuds with Nia and Asuka and all this going forward. And she obviously being the top star, then yeah, sometimes you need an edge. But Asuka still got that rub that she needed in that big signature win that when you look at it on a piece of paper, that says Asuka tapped out Charlotte Flair. There's none of those little notes underneath. There's no asterisk. Asuka tapped out Charlotte Flair. The end. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Based on Asuka's uh, reign so far, is she dominant? Do you enjoy this? So it's, far, is, it's, she's a, it's is she the greatest thing on television, like TJ says? I don't hey, think no, so. no, no, no. Here's the thing. When this quarantine thing started, she was the best part of the show because she was someone who was using all that empty space and taking it up and not and remind and like not reminding me constantly they were in an empty arena with nothing because she was dancing, she was moving around, she was making noise. Like she brought energy that filled the entire screen. Since she's been champion, has she been the best thing on the show? No, but I still think she's been good and she deserved that title run because of what she was doing before. She earned it. Now we're in a position where, you know, she did get the win over Nia. We thought it was over. But what they did this week by having Nia take out Charlotte and looking dominant again, suddenly you prop Nia back up where we could do Nia Asuka again, which I know you love because Nia is your favorite wrestler now. Listen, listen. Nia Jax should have that women's championship because she's the best thing on Raw. Ron, oh my God, get the fuck out of here. And the Are women's you division me? right now. No. Women's division on Raw. No, the best Absolutely. the best thing in the women's division on Raw is uh, Sasha and Bailey because guess what, Nestle? You were mad about Charlotte being on every show? They've broken her streak. They've been on like t- 10 straight shows, and cl- all three of them at this point. It is absurd. Sasha and Bailey are literally everywhere. They they were, they were retain the titles on, on NXT. They're on SmackDown again where Sasha beats Nikki Cross. Then they retain against the Iconics on Raw. And then Sasha called out Asuka at Extreme Rules. Sasha, a SmackDown superstar, getting a Raw title shot. Now, I want to see if you're as upset this was, because when this was Charlotte, you were losing your mind. But now, suddenly, I bet you might love it. No, I don't love it, because let's face this, folks. There's no legitimacy. There's no, like, there's no brands. There's no, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Now, look, do I love Sasha? Do I love Bailey? Absolutely. Do I love the tag team? Great. Are they are they dragging their fucking asses on this fucking turn? Absolutely. They're making you wait, because they're making you either wait for them to get it in front of a crowd or they're waiting for you to do it for a big moment at SummerSlam or something random. But they are dragging their fucking asses, and I appreciate it. And if Sasha wins and Bailey has the championship and they've got all the championships, I'm sure they'll be even more unbearable and they'll be on every show. And I'm sure every week I'll be sitting there going, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But you know what? They're doing their job because they are annoying. They are great. They are good in the ring, and they're good outside of the ring. 
so they're doing their job in terms of what I'm watching on my television. Quick, but, quick, quick question here. Quick question. Yes. Are they the best part of WWE right now? Yes or no? Oh, hands down, absolutely. Okay, I think I think they're one A, and something else is one B that I'm going to get to next. But finish your thought here. I think I well, yeah, Randy Orton is probably there. You go. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, is, is probably and maybe if not the same, a little bit higher. I think you're right. So look. Yes. Are they good? Clearly they're good because they're on every show, and I'm sure that's what everybody's going to tell me. They're on every show. That's why Charlotte's on every show, because she's good. Yes, I understand that. I understand how this works, people. But what I'm trying to tell you is I would prefer that the story, like, I feel, specifically for Bailey and Sasha, I feel like, yes, it is a good story, and when we finally get to the turn, then we'll be interested into every little aspect of it. However, I do feel like you do lose people the longer you go with long-term storytelling, which is fine because I always like it. But I, I do think that if, unless you have something that keeps that crumb going, you know, like, ooh, a piece of candy, ooh, a piece of candy. If you keep me on that trail of enjoying it, I'm in. I'm in hook, line, and sinker. But if you don't have something week to week, if you peruse them out at least three shows a week, which is a lot, and you're, you're, it's not them, it's, it, again, on the writing staff, you're making it harder for me to be able to watch it and enjoy it. You yeah. know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I don't want you to make it harder for me to watch it. I want to enjoy it. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said, and I think that's part of the reason why it made sense to give them the tag team championships because it gave them a reason more to be on. You could kind of branch out their feuds so it wasn't just Bailey taking on people and Sasha being jealous. Suddenly now they're champions together, and then this week they added an extra wrinkle by having Sasha getting her own title opportunity. In that promo, obviously they're teasing that she's talking about Bailey, but then they throw in the wrench where she says, no, I want the Raw championship in Asuka. So I think to your point right now, they are doing a perfect job of like leaving that crumb trail, so it's very interesting along the way. But once we get past Extreme Rules, it sure feels like we're going to have to ramp this up. And uh, you know what? I might lay something out of my hope of how to get there. How about that? Oh, ooh, that's nice. Yeah. All right, well, we mentioned his name as being one of the best things in wrestling, if not the best, and that is Randy Orton. His promo, I thought, was fire, as always. In WrestleMania, I mean, you probably know this. Most people might know this by now, but... The Randy Orton legend killer character gimmick, however you want to phrase it, that is literally my favorite thing of all time. I absolutely ate that up. So the fact that it's back and he's using it again and Ric Flair's bringing it up and the way he did that promo with, yes, the freaking Big Show, I thought when the Big Show came out, I'm like, oh, this is going to ruin it. But you know what? In that short little segment, I suddenly want to see a Randy Orton Big Show match because I want to see Randy Orton punt that fucking big bald noggin off that big man's head. Like, when he just dropped that line, I've been like, you know what else you are, show? You're also a legend. I was like, oh, my God. Like, needle in the arm, man. Like, Jesus. Like, oh, I, I just, I could watch this stuff all freaking day. You know what occurred to me as you're talking? Yep. Uh, you give me time to think because I'm not listening to you. So, uh... <laughs> Basically, what I remember, I, I think, I could be wrong, and I'm sure TJ will tell me because TJ is Mr. Almanac. He'll always uh, remind me where I'm wrong. Um, I believe that we have gone to the TV Garden to watch a wrestling pay-per-view, or I believe the main event at a Night of Champions was Randy Orton versus The Big Show. Or like, he was, somebody was the champion, and I remember, or it must have been a pay-per-view somewhere, where it's Randy Orton versus The Big Show. It was the last thing on the show, and I'm just thinking to myself, Good God, is this just fucking atrocious? Is this fucking atrocious? However, you know, years later, Big Show prays himself out, defends his, uh, his buddies, you know, and helps him with ninjas, comes back, and now he's got a serious face as he tells <laughs> Two Buck Chuck, uh, you know, he's all, he's all smiles on Netflix, go watch it. But uh, when he's in the WWE, he's going to do, you know, what he can with his right hand. And he does what he does in the middle of the ring. But it, again, Sometimes you got to have Randy Orton beat tomato cans. And in my opinion, the big show is the biggest tomato can of all. And we are just stalling Randy Orton until whatever he can get at, at SummerSlam. Because, yes, Randy Orton can have a decent match with a broom. Unfortunately, a seven-foot broom is a lot harder to sweep with. So we'll see what happens at Extreme Rules. Yeah, no, and I think that's, you brought up a point. I think a lot of the times people forget, like, is when you look at his list of legend killers, a lot of them were quick one-offs. This will be clearly a three-week program because I think that's how far away from Extreme Rules. But I think if, as in like when you're building someone or in a title reign, like we're going to get to this later in the show with some other people too, like you need these stops along the way. That's why we were talking about Braun with Miz and Morrison. Like that was a perfect little like one-month thing just to give Braun that little bit of elevation and be entertaining enough week to week that we still care. I think that Randy Orton can do this with the big show just because the absolute 
absolute fire. He's on Big Show as much grief as we give him for whatever. Like, he can hold his own on a mic. He's still interesting enough. Like, we know the match won't be great, but if it's somewhat quick and violent and Randy Orton does all his, like, dastardly things and it ends with a freaking punt to the dome, I'm going home happy. Yeah, I mean, I want to see a stretcher job. If it's extreme rules, I want to see this. I want to see, like, an ambulance. I want to see something get, like, an explosion. Just have Randy Orton. I mean, you're talking about how vicious he is. The snake, he gets back in the corner when you say that in the promo. Then make it something that's going to be worth our while. Make it, like, you're sitting here telling me, you know, the greatest champion, or sorry, the greatest wrestler of all time. He's this guy that just won the greatest wrestling match of all time. And you keep throwing all these little weird ends into it. It's just... Give us everything that you can production-wise until we have people as much as you can. Especially, like, Randy Orton is the guy that probably deserves it the most. Like, if Extreme Rules is going to happen, I'm thinking to myself, we'll talk more about everything else that's happening. But some of the other matchups that I'm just looking at going, there's a possibility Randy Orton and Big Show headline Extreme Rules. Uh, I don't think so because I think there's a certain other one that will, but uh, we'll probably get to that in a little bit. But I I think it's a contender. I do agree. It's, to me, to me, it's better than the WWE Championship. I'm just saying. Okay, so, well, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are excited for that. Now, nah, do we want to get to that now? Because uh, something came back this week, which I know. That was my best uh, impersonation. It was great. You were a little off key, but it's okay. The doctor hey. was still probably bouncing. He likes to dance <laughs> that song enough. Uh, but look, listen, Firefly Funhouse comes back. I'm excited. I'm very happy. He makes a lot of jokes about reptilians and how he uh, he was knitting and doing all sorts of things in his break. Uh, and when he just slid in there was resurrecting people. I thought that was amazing. Uh, I don't think that we're done with that resurrection. I think there's clearly going to be more with, uh, you know, the Firefly Funhouse resurrections. I mean, he's already kind of resurrected, you know, Rambling Rabbit indefinitely. Uh, it seems like it always happens. But he brought back, and I'm curious your thoughts about the original Bray Wyatt character saying that he was the creator and sometimes the creator has to kill his own monster and that whole aspect of it because I have my own ideas and thoughts I'm curious as you as a viewer what you thought I so I loved it because um, the way I was looking at this is when I saw that Fox was advertising the Firefly Funhouse to be back on Smackdown I was like okay we're getting back into Bray versus Braun I'm excited but then I was thinking I'm like we're not at SummerSlam yet the Fiend is the end boss. If we get Fiend Braun now, that means we might get it twice. I don't want it twice. I'm like, is there another stopgap we can go? And sure enough, there was. Bray Wyatt, like you said, reincarnated his former self. So now at Extreme Rules, I would assume this I would put as the main event. I think it's going to be Braun versus his former master. And I think Braun will go over once again and retain. And that'll leave Bray to go to the last measure, which is the Fiend. And I think that, like, I think all this makes perfect sense. I think this lead up could be a lot of fun. Because we're going to have more throwbacks. We're going to get those throwback Bray promos where he just kind of rambled and said, like, oh, like, talked in tons even more than he does now. Like, with the craziness, maybe he brings back the rocking chair. I I think it'll be exciting because um, it's not super long ago, so it doesn't really fully fall into the nostalgia uh, category. But when you can do it right like this, when it's like a little taste of, like, we're going to get a three-week taste of it here, I think it can be really fun. And I think it, once again, is going to be really good for Braun. So, yeah, I, I'm all in on this once again. I am also interested in this as well, but I, I there is a part of me that feels like, are we just going to look at Bray Wyatt from the Funhouse as a guy that can always get beat? Are we looking at, you know, the old-school Bray Wyatt as someone that can always be beat, but the Fiend can't be beaten? Is that... well? I just believe going forward, are you going to get like go, just going forward with anybody that feuds with, with Bray Wyatt? Are you going to get three chances? It's like you know what I mean. Like oh, I, I already beat him twice. I think that you know it's one of those things where it was kind of like they did it with Finn. Like if he's getting pinned, there's a chance to do this. But I do believe didn't Funhouse Bray? What did he retain against Daniel Bryan or someone? I feel like he did win one of them as regular Bray, but I'm not sure. He did against the Miz, I think. The Miz, that's right. So, yeah, so I think it's one of those things you need to do it every now and then to give him a win. But I think since, like, you, the Miz, I think, was the most recent time, I think it was okay to go back to it. And this, I, I don't think he's going to bring back this old-school Bray Wyatt for anyone but Braun. That's why I think it makes perfect sense because this was who created Braun. The way they're doing it is perfect. If they did this against, like, I don't know, like your boy John Morrison in six months, it does doesn't work but the fact that it's against braun i think it works perfectly see i think we're going to get into the they're going to double dip into this a lot more than we they think might. i think that if like if they've been if like for instance like if they've been around long enough then i think that 
I just I, I foresee if Bray Wyatt was the original Bray Wyatt with somebody on the roster that was you know there when he was like that, I think he could dip back into that character. So I see that happening a lot, an awful lot, depending on if he goes after a Randy Orton or if he goes after if Cena comes back, you know, stuff like that have the interactions with the old old Bray Wyatt. I can definitely see that happening a little bit more, which I wouldn't necessarily care for as much as the Braun thing, because I think the Braun thing, like you said, has a very biblical sense to it. But I just, I, my hope is that the WWE is smart enough to realize, and I think Bray was, is definitely smart enough to realize, like, don't go to the well too many times. There's a reason why you switched the character, because it was stale. It wasn't going anywhere. It needed some change. And what we have at the Firefly Funhouse, in my opinion, with The Fiend and without The Fiend sometimes, is head and shoulders better than the old Bray Wyatt. So, no, I 100% agree. 100% agree. So I just kind of, I'm hoping and praying that we kind of, we get what we get. And we move on. And then we get The Fiend, and then Otis cashes in for no goddamn reason. At SummerSlam, it just seems like, you know, they always cash in at SummerSlam because it, it is what it is, and we're all kind of like, meh, whatever. Well, Nestle, whatever. you did bring up, as uh, Miz said and Morrison said on Miz TV, the elephant in the room uh, about Otis. I actually wrote that down because anytime there's a good one-liner joke, I want to make sure I remember it. Or not. I definitely chuckled when uh, they brought up the elephant in the room for Otis, you know? Because why not? But always in the shine, Mandy was the special guest on Miz TV, but... They set a trap for her, but I will say before they got to that trap, I don't know if you saw it, but Miz and Morrison dancing to Mandy's theme was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> they, they, they know exactly how to be just enough cheese without too much. Like exactly. They, they know exactly their spot, and it's good stuff. I will say something else that I noticed about this is they, they, they made a moment of, uh, you know, we had to talk about, you know, me costing John Morrison, or sorry, Miz costing John Morrison uh, the Universal Championship at uh, Backlash, and they, they kind of sort of kind of squashed it. Also kind of interesting to me is that if you notice, John Morrison wasn't necessarily expl- you know, explicitly loving the fact that it had happened and didn't really, like, he, he kind of shoved off the, the apology. And also, I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe I'm reading way too much into it because I've missed my detective hat, but it wasn't the dirt sheet, JC. It was Miz TV. Yes, yeah, no, I think that's... I think that's the perfect... I think it was on purpose. It has to be because the way that, that they're building this is that, yeah, I think it's the little subtle clues and that's something that I think they did. They did it really well with Mandy and Sonya before they broke up. It was all the subtle clues. Obviously, the hacker has been the utilization for most of that, which for some reason the past month or so they've gotten away from it for whatever reason, but I think the Miz and Morrison, it's they're, they're doing it really well and that's why I love the pairing of them having this tie-in with Mandy and Sonya because it's kind of like you're meshing this very similar thing still together. Sonya comes out. Uh, once again, this rivalry between Sonya and Mandy is super hot fire. I've been waiting for it to fizzle a little, but it's just like the flames coming off this thing. You can feel it. Sonya's bringing the heat. Mandy gives it back. And then, of course, uh, it ended the segment with Mandy giving Miz the old slap, and uh, everyone loves a good slap. So I thought this was another really good segment. It felt very Jerry Springerish, I'm sure. I did appreciate that Sonya Deville really was the star of this segment, and I think that that was... You never, like... Here's what I really enjoy about it, is that they took something that you think that would happen, and they turn it on its head. Like, like we've talked about in this program before. Normally, you think, Mandy Rose, she's going to be the person that is going to be the heel because of, obviously, her shortcomings in the ring. However... You, as you have, you have drooled all over her, we know why people enjoy her. Because she's always in the shine. Sonya, she's the most talented woman on the roster. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure, yeah. I had to pay $70 for her to say she's always in the shine. <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't have to. Everybody chipped in for that one. So it's for all the guys. I appreciate the uh, the job and support. Uh, but back to my original point. Sonya Deville, underappreciated, amazing in the ring, not necessarily known for her looks. You figure baby face, but they switched it on you and gave the Cinderella treatment to Mandy. And then they made the, you know, the ugly stepsister essentially is what, you know, if we're going to the Disney portion of this program, that uh, Sonya's, you know, the, not the belle of the ball, which honestly, she's become the belle of the ball. She's amazing. I mean, she's, she's absolutely just amazing at what she does. And I appreciated that she, she went down and she says, I'm better with, I'm better than you in every single positive way except one and that's the thing that stops me from being better than you i'm going to hurt you and i'm going to take away the one thing that is better on your end than mine and I, all i could think about was man i could come up with 50 different hopes about how this is going to end but god damn it uh i might i might just leave this for for now so i can talk about it in my hope but mandy and sonia in my hope i think i i've got a lot of uh legs that i can go in different uh you know areas on this one 
I like it. We both put out the tease for the hopes later. So we are going to move right on to let that marinate in the background here when we get to more of the main course. Because, uh, you know, SmackDown, there was the big debut um, that they were advertising. We were curious how they were going to do it. Because a lot of the times when guys make that jump who were a huge deal in NXT to the main roster, it hasn't always translated. But I think that the way they handled the Matt Riddle debut... Um, immediately putting him in the middle of the ring with AJ Styles one-on-one. He actually went over, which I didn't expect, but then the treatment that they gave him after the match with the whole roster out there, it really made Riddle feel like he's a big deal and going to be a big-time player on SmackDown. I actually want to back up a little bit. The AJ Styles title presentation with Daniel Bryan having oh, the was force great. to put the championship, amazing. Like that, that, to me, like if you're going to do a promo, if you're not going to wrestle, having shit like that, having everybody around the ring, and uh, if you notice, they had specific people like Miz and Morrison, Braun, different people that they had missing from there. That they So they clearly have about like 14 to 16 guys that they consider mid-card status in that area that could be, you know, elevated to the Intercontinental Championship, which was great. Because it, it definitely made it feel like it was a division. It made it feel like there are people that are honing in trying to get a, you know, <coughs> a, a, a bit of it. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan yeah, mentioned him by name. Yeah, they didn't talk about Shorty G. Yeah, yeah. He true. mentioned it by name. He said him first. Shorty G, yeah, baby. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you said what you said, but I don't know how realistic it is. It is. He beat but, Mojo. Uh, He's the number one contender now, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> but, look, so we have this whole thing. Uh, we have a great match here. And uh, Riddle wins. They give him the Macho Man treatment where everybody comes out and fucking points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not downplaying anything, but it's just like, it seems like bad timing, unfortunately, for him. And, oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, the jury is still out on what will happen with him. So, uh, you know, I think we probably should leave it as um, we will let the evidence present itself before we decide to jump on whatever side we have to. Um, but I think it's unfortunate because they really were hoping that this was going to be their next guy. Yeah, and, no, and they, I think they uh, treated it like that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, if there's anything I've noticed about the WWE is that when they put their chips in on somebody, normally they're wrong. So I think that as much as some people love Matt Riddle and some people don't like Matt Riddle, regardless of what happened uh, this week uh, before this all thing went down, I think that um, I don't know if Matt Riddle would have been the guy I would have attached the whole wagon to. So I'm curious to see what they already have planned for him, what gets changed, what they have to scrap, and all this stuff, because it's going to be different now. I think we're going to... We, he got that launch, but I wonder if it'll be continued or if it will be kind of uh, forgotten about and swept under the rug. I, I will be watching very closely. Well, it is interesting, because obviously he got the win over Styles, so you think he'd be first up, but I believe Drew Gulak's getting a shot at uh, AJ, because AJ's actually piled up a few losses here, so there seems to be at least a line, so yeah, I think it will be interesting, but I don't I don't expect him to get into a title run like immediately, I think it's just going to be one of those things, he's going to be out there just so people can get to know him a lot of the times, but it will be interesting to see how everything plays out, obviously you're not going to speculate on anything, but I just wanted to bring up the fact that when they debut people, sometimes they don't always like go to a point where they really make them feel like a big deal, and I think they did with him, which means that they clearly see him as a big-time player, and I think he's going to get every chance possible to become that. Um, I'm lo- looking at the rest of SmackDown, I don't know if I have much else there, but my last really note from La- Raw, what I enjoyed, was uh, I know you're getting sick of this, but... I know the rest of us are loving it, and that is the VIP Lounge with our guy, MVP, who, this guy, like, you can say what you want about him, he's been everywhere some weeks, like, I still think he's doing a phenomenal job. In his segment this week, um, with Apollo, like, it just, it's, he's, he's, like, uh, it seems like Apollo, like, he's gotten there, and, like, everyone's just expecting the fall to come and just to tear it apart, especially with Heyman now, but MVP, like, Every time MVP and Apollo are together, Apollo just looks better and better. And, like, he comes out with my boy, obviously, Shelton Benjamin's in here, too. We got another match between the two, so you knew it was going to be in the shine anyways. But I just, like, the elevation that MVP, I think, is doing for Apollo is speaking volumes. It'll be interesting because, obviously, the segment ended with uh, Lashley beating the living crap out of him. And uh, if those two fight, it would make a lot of sense that Lashley might walk away with that title. So it would be interesting if maybe they flip Apollo after that. But... I just think that, like, because I, I was one of the people, like, expecting the decline of Apollo to begin, but MVP is doing his damnedest to keep him on the right trajectory, I think. Uh, look, you know, 
big things pop and little things stop. And when he says that, I just roll my eyes. <laughs> See, I love uh, it. I love it, man. You know, you're just not him. Like, let me, you're not him. It's, it's okay. Just, um, yeah, I'm just not him. I'm not an I'm not MVP. I'm not a VIP. So that's probably why I don't like him. <laughs> but, you know, I would never be interested in the VIP lounge myself. However, uh, the dreaded Paul Nelson oh. put on truth, put on Apollo Crews. Like, it's just like, I get it. I get it. But where are we headed, right? Like, is Bobby Lashley going to be feuding for the championship of the WWE? Or is he going to be relegated to mid-card status again? Because here's, here's my big comeuppance, right? You were talking about this just a second ago. If Bobby Lashley takes the championship away from Apollo Crews, it'll be the death of Bobby Lashley as a serious character. It will, to my opinion, you sit there and you talk about how amazing Bobby Lashley is and yada, yada, yada. To my opinion, Bobby Lashley can't go after the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley cannot do anything but go for the WWE Universal Championship. One of those two. That's it. You can't, I... you, you can't get to that point and then go, oh, you know what? I, I am, because then it, what it does is it devalues everything you're talking about as you're gushing over MVP. How, ex- how, how can he go to other people and be like, I got this guy a United States championship. I, like, if he grabs people to do the tag team championship, all right, that's fine. But people are going to go, yeah, but he couldn't get the guy to win the WWE championship. And he has to get the guy to win the WWE championship to prove his worth to how he changes the lifestyle, changes it around 180 style, and then then the other championships follow because of what he did previously. It makes him worth more. It makes Bobby worth more. It makes MVP worth more. It makes the other people that he grabs worth more in association, especially if they're all lined up in nice suits in the VIP lounge. You need that big, shiny gold title. You need that big diamond first before you go get the little ones because getting the little ones won't be as effective, in my opinion. And I think if Bobby Lashley worries himself with mid-card status, guess where he's been his entire life, folks? And guess where he'll entirely be for the rest of his contract? And that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I will just say, I just think, like, the big reason here is that Lashley's obviously had that momentum. He did lose to Drew, like, whatever. But, you know, they use Lana as a device to do it. Is I just don't think they're taking that strap off of Drew anytime soon. Like, I think SummerSlam's the earliest they're going to take that off him. And so I think they're just looking at it like, you know what? We'll do a Lashley-Apollo feud because it makes a lot of sense. And maybe Lashley does go over, and maybe it's a short run with the U.S. title, or maybe they use that to get him back as the number one contender, and he drops it along the way in his feud with Drew. I just think a lot of the times they do is, like, we still have big plans for Bobby Lashley. We want him in big matches. And... Instead of having him just beat up our truth every week, why don't we put him in a championship program and maybe he wins it? I think it could work, but I think you're right. They do have to tread carefully um, with how they do it. But to me, I look at it as more positive of they're just trying to let him marinate on the back burner here like a little bit while they just let Drew like pick up a few more W's before where they get to a bigger show where maybe that's when Lashley gets his next shot. Because that's why I was a little like concerned about uh, last month's pay-per-view, him getting the opportunity, because I'm like, I just don't think they're doing a title change with Drew right now. Now. I just I think they want to give him that long reign at least to SummerSlam to solidify him before they you know screw him out of it or something you know that's just the way I've always looked at it so yeah I do agree they're gonna have to tread carefully but I think it can work if they do it correctly well we'll see what happens if it's a huge faction like everybody wants I'm sure they'll all be happy but I think we've all been clamoring for a faction like this for years and I, I just don't see the WWE doing something that everybody wants I really don't yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, what else did you like on Raw or SmackDown anything well, I will say this much, and you're going to have a head scratcher. If we had a record scratch, you'd go, what the fuck? For some reason, unbeknownst to me, I didn't expect this to be something that I enjoyed. But for some reason, I went, oh, God. The Jeff Hardy interview oh. spoke, spoke to me. I don't know why. I think it's because it resonated. I think the one thing he did was he drew the comparison of an obstacle of getting over his demons to finally beating Sheamus. And I think by doing that, in my opinion, he added stakes to finally beating Sheamus. Putting away Sheamus is like putting away his demons. So he's going to have problems doing it. He's not going to be able to do it. We talked about this program. Like, why would you start a fight with Sheamus? The guy beats potatoes out of you. You know, like, he's just, he's going to lump you. But watching that segment, I went, Jesus, you know, Jeff Hardy made me go, and I think, Here's, here's, here's what I've realized. It's going to suck 
watching like Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus throughout, right? But I, I, I'd like to put point my flag in the sand here and say, I think this is like a D line storyline that is slowly graduated to a C line, maybe to a B at some point. And I think maybe by October, we're going to want to see a blood feud between these two. I don't know why. I don't think it's, it should go on till October, but I think that they're, they're looking at it from that perspective of, okay, it's little shit here, little shit here, da, 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 da. Yeah, this is kind of hokey, but I think massaging out the garbage out of this into something, they might end up striking into something in maybe a September, October pay-per-view where we're like, you know what? Shit. I want to see it. And then finally, Jeff Hardy, you know, overcomes the demon of Sheamus. Interesting. I see. For me, um, I don't. I don't personally think it'll go that long. Um, the way I look at it is that we obviously have extreme rules coming up. This is a candidate for one of those violent matches, I think, for sure, obviously. I mean, Jeff Hardy is Mr. Extreme, and I would expect him to pick up the win there, and that would make our series, what, one-to-one? So then it would make sense to have the culmination match at uh, SummerSlam, which it'll probably be some sort of cage or hell in a cell so Jeff Hardy can jump off something to win. That's just the way I look at it and the way it makes sense for me, but if they dragged it out to the fall, it would be real interesting because... I just, I don't know how you do it week to week because I think they've already done so much with this feud um, that I don't know if they can stretch it that long, but I'd be curious to see if they can pull it off. I think they're going to be, like, again, they're giving you crumbs. They're giving you piss tests, and they're giving you a sit-down interview. And then he talks about how he's a bully. Like, they're not giving you a lot. Like, they're really they're really not giving you a lot. Like, they, they bombarded us at the beginning with this giant, you know, car crash thing. But... They haven't revealed like that Seamus was the person that did it. So, you know what I mean? Like they can always go back to that. So I think that there's, I don't know. Like I never thought I'd be the one defending a Seamus Jeff Hardy feud because clearly I'm not a fan of either of them, but they're, they both serve their purposes for different reasons. So I was just watching that going, well, shit, like now I kind of want to see him be Seamus. So he did his job. He did his job well. And most of the time in this program, I shit on a lot of stuff. So I think that it's important to always to keep it 100 and just say, Hey, you know what? This week they got me. They hooked me. So maybe not at Extreme Rules. Maybe it will. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm proud of you nonetheless. Uh, do you have any more shine or should we get to the heat? Uh, we can get to the heat. <laughs> get him off my television. Get him off my television. Get him off my television. Very quickly. Yes. Can I say this very quickly? Yes. I, I, I don't know if I heard it on SmackDown as much as I heard it on Raw. But it felt like the canned audio reactions were up to 11 on this one on Raw. And they kept cutting away to people who were not making sounds. They were having people in the background behind the plexiglass that were not doing anything. They were picking their noses. And somehow, there was a lot of crowd reaction. And it made me feel like everything I was watching was cheapened. Like, really, for three hours, cheapened. I definitely noticed some of it, but it, it just... It wasn't enough to take away from much for me. I mean, I guess. I mean, I did. It didn't. It didn't really bother me. That there were a couple times where I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's not great. But I just, I don't. It 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 just hasn't affected me as much as I thought it would. Some of this canned stuff. It actually because I think I still think it's doing more help than hurt because I think when we first started when there was nothing like it was brutal. I couldn't even watch the wrestling unless if there was shit talking going because I just get so bored because it was so bland. At least now with the, like, the cutaways, and even if it isn't perfectly timed, like, there's just some sort of ambience that's enough, I think, to just make it better. But I do understand where you're coming from, for sure. Sorry, I'm distracted. I see I'm seeing a neighbor coming out with an NWO shirt right now. Oh. I kind of want to go too sweet this guy. Never mind. It's not important. I've never met him. Uh, but look, there's something about this, like, it just seems kind of, like, lethargic and nobody cares because I... So we go back to originally talk about uh, the Naya and Charlotte promo. And all of a sudden they cut away from the brawl and they insert the three goons at the desk talking. And you can see in the reflection of plexiglass that there is nobody in there in the ring. And it's just shit like that that makes me feel like they're so discombobulated, so like abrupt. There's no flow. There's no feeling of like a dissolve or that it's gentle. It's just like hard cut, hard cut, hard cut boom, we're moving on to the next thing. It's like there's no, like they have transitions, but they just feel so like slammed. I'll I'll tell you this though, Nestle. 14 out of 15 people aren't noticing that. We're obviously that like 1% or whatever, 2, 3% because we work in production, so we're very 
aware of these things, but I can guarantee you if we sat 15 people in a room, there'd be one person who noticed it maybe, you know? It just, I think that's what it is, and I think the way they look at it is they're already taping these and they're already assembling this three-hour show that some of the details are going to be missed, and it's just one of those things. Like, they're like, yeah, rather put more time into this than like you know this exact little detail here. I think that's just part of it. it it's unfortunately the downside of the taping shows is stuff like this is just going to happen because they want the cleaner, cleaner edit. That's fine. That's fine, but I, like I said, I can't let it go. Yeah, can't, hashtag nitpicky Nestle. Let's go. What else you got? It's true. I got Listen, I got a nitpick. First off, uh, the Viking Raiders and uh, the Street Profits have a match, tag match. They, they, here's the part that bothers me. We have this culmination of this fucking back and forth. I'm better than you. You're better than me. No, no, no. We're going to you know, figure it out with all these nonsense and all this crap. And then it seems like because the Street Profits have never beaten the Viking Raiders, this should be a big enough deal. But for some reason, I watched this, and they put them away very quickly. Yeah, the match was fast. They just... Yeah, I figured this was going to be a two- or three-segger. I thought this was going to be something where I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to put my you know, my, you know, know, my, food down. I'm going to enjoy this tag match. It was abrupt. I think it was like seven minutes, and I was just thinking to myself, man, like the culmination of all of that ends with such a poof, like such a popcorn fart. And then... To have them all be like, you know what, we're still friends at the end of it. I, I just, it left a bad taste in my mouth because where does that make the Viking Raiders go from here? I mean, obviously, CN and your boy Angel Garza slide right in with their uh, oozing machismo and attack. I don't mind them as tag champions. I think that would be really good. I think that'd be good for everybody. I think that would help Zelina Vega because clearly I feel like that whole triad has been floundering for a little bit, especially after, you know, they got rid of Austin Theory, um, even though it didn't really fit to begin with. It's just, I think that it's definitely something that I'm interested in seeing. I just don't know if uh, the Viking Raiders are going to be like they're not going to go to SmackDown, right? Like they're just not. So yeah, I don't think so. I, I yeah, it'll be interesting. I think maybe they might give them uh, a quick cool off, but I do think they'll they'll figure something out for them because, like I said, I think throughout these past like month or so, like they've earned a lot of points with Vince with their entertainment. So it might actually, honestly, it might be some hokey stuff for a while. Because, you know, they, you got to make the big guy in the back giggle. But I do think that in the long run, I think that did a lot more good than harm for them. And But I think like most things, when you're heavily featured like that, if you're not moving on as the champion, like, it just makes sense to take a step back. Because I don't think they're going to turn them heel or anything. So, Yeah, I mean, they had to conjure up uh, another heel tag team on Raw. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you're, you've been talking about how great Sed Roche is, and they haven't been there for, like, what, I think six weeks now, so... Yeah, I don't... Well, neither has the Vink and Thorne. It feels like they just kind of... They wanted to keep every, all the attention in the tag division, I feel like, on these two teams. So they're like, we just won't have any more tag teams from the men's division on Raw. It's been very an interesting decision, so I'm curious if next week, if that changes a little. I just don't want to go six weeks without the Viking Raiders. And I didn't think I'd ever say that. You know what I, I don't mean? Think, like, yeah, like I don't think you will. I think they'll be doing stuff in some capacity. Maybe they're doing vignettes on their own or whatever. But I, I don't think they're going to be completely off. But I do think they're going to be cooled down a little bit. That's upsetting. Yeah. Very upsetting. But you never know. I could be wrong. It is, obviously, they went through a shift of power, too, you know, in the writing staff. So it, it just it could be different anyways. But who knows? It's, it's tough to speculate. But I do think that... that the Viking Prophets had finally reached its peak, so I'm glad instead of trying to milk it for another month, they uh, they severed it when they had to, so it didn't leave a bad taste in their mouth. Oh, speaking of milking it, how about that Natty promo? Oh, my I mean, fucking Jesus word. Christ. You know, it's just they sit there and she's like, ah, you know, Sarah, you should have asked me this, but we don't have enough time. Huh? Like, what, what the fuck was that? And then <sighs> they come out and she's like, I have a big announcement. What was her announcement? That Lana's her tag partner or Lana's going to be helping her or whatever? Like, they didn't, did they announce it? No, nobody cares. Literally nobody right? cares. And then, here's the more egregious thing, I think. They job out poor Liv Morgan. Exactly. doing really great stuff. And then they go backstage with, no, you know, Ruby Riot. like, I, I just don't have time for you right now. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. So you're going to tell me that you debut, or sorry, you reintroduce Liv Morgan to have a love affair with Lana. <laughs> then you get to a point where that fucking ends. You have her pick up some momentum with, you know, some interviews and maybe having a good showing in Charlotte. Defeating Ruby Riot. Like, that was yeah, like, it. Yeah, like, they they're getting it. Only to have her just fall off, come back into a feud, I guess, with Natty and Lana, who they have had a relationship with, and 
She has to go back to where she started as part of the riot squad. So essentially everything she's done since she's returned has been bupkis. Bupkis. Erroneous. Never made sense. You can literally, JC, take this entire time from when she came back to now, scrub it from history, and nobody would know the difference. See, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I will say when she was hot for like that month there, like I think it showed that, okay, Liv is capable of this. She is capable of having these longer matches, which are good. She is capable on the mic. She is capable of doing these things. But then they immediately, like, like she was just inexplicably off TV for, like, three or four weeks after being at her peak. And then, obviously, this, like, yeah, your, your larger point is there. Like, she literally, like, she went way up only to come right back down. And that's why I remember when she was at that peak and Becky was still here at this point. I was just like, I just don't know how she breaks through because I'm looking at Becky, Asuka, Nia, and Charlotte. I'm like... I just don't see her getting on that level, so she isn't going to be challenging for the singles title. I'm like, maybe on SmackDown she could have a good feud with uh, Bailey and Sasha, but like on Raw, like it was just, it was like, man, it was tough, and she stayed on Raw, and like that ended up happening where they never put her in the top part of that card with like the the titans of Raw. That it just you see this a lot of times in the men's division too because I feel like Raw always has like the the larger superstars, the more powerful superstars, and some of the smaller guys always are in the mid-card or below. Well, the women don't have a mid-card title, so they just stick them in a tag team. And yeah, all the worst fears of Liv Morgan came true. And it just, yeah, this whole thing was just so depressing to watch. It was, I think our boy Ray Ray said in the thread, like, this was by far the worst part of Raw. Yeah, it's just like you want to have a moment of silence for creativity. You know what I mean? Like, you just want to sit there and be like, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, you'll go back. Two, square, one. Yeah. Like, that's exactly where we are. And it's just, I can't do it. I, I like, it, it. we're already in a quarantine, folks. We're already in a pandemic. We can't be out watching wrestling as a part of a crowd. Like, it, this feels like parts of wrestling are circling the drain at some point. And it's just, you know, it, it harks back to Danny's article where it just, it makes it hard to be a fan sometimes. I will say it though, really, wrestle, really because does. honestly looking, I look at some of these shows even before the pandemic, like, the amount, when I look at my notes, the amount of shine I have versus heat is, I have way more shine in the last, like, couple weeks than heat, just because I think the stuff they're doing well, it's like, there's been more law informed storytelling, there's been more stories, there's been less randomness, there's always going to be the bad, because it's never going to be a perfect show, that's never going to happen, just because we all have different tastes, and some stuff, it's, it's one of those things, to make something else better, something else is probably going to get worse, especially now that they're uh, combining the writing staffs and whatever, but I do think, like, they've really picked it up lately, and honestly, it's me because like the early stages of this with that empty arena stuff like I could barely watch the shows I if, if I wasn't doing the podcast I wouldn't be watching either but I will say like there are things that I've been excited for like the last few weeks even more so the last month or so but yeah right now we are talking about the bad stuff and this was by far the most depressing part of the week for me um, something we haven't talked about yet which I'm curious your point because I feel like this is something that is a hot take for me because I saw everyone freaking all over this guy's done on Twitter the Edge promo. Granted, yes, he had that incredible one-liner. But you know what, Nestlemania, when I was watching this promo, I never heard that one-liner because I fucking fell asleep. This motherfucker talked for 10 straight minutes by himself on screen. He lost me. And yes, when I read the article and I see the fucking note of that quote, I'm like, that is fucking amazing. But Jesus Christ, Edge, I love you. You're amazing. You've always been one of my favorites. I think you're a great promo. But why does your promo have to be 10 fucking minutes? I can't... I'm, I'm not going to get it all. He lost me. So that's why I'm curious your take because obviously, you know... You know, try to reel me back in here, but I just like for me, I thought this was a bad promo because it was too fucking long, and I don't remember any of it because I fell asleep. I like to equate Edge to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's a great comparison. That there's like he's he's he's, he's just it's in theory, the Lord of the Rings is a great great book, a great movie yep. series. But when you sit down, you have to commit to it, right? Yes. I can't commit to Edge because everything he does is long form. Everything. His matches are long. His promos are long. And I know Edge and Vince love each other, and Vince is going to be like, ah, give me more of Copeland. Yes. You know, like, whatever. That's what he's going to do. But it, you, you took the point away from me, JC. I was waiting. When he made the PG superstar comment, my wife looked up at me and went, oh, proving ground. And I, like, as a joke, which <laughs> I did smirk. But. Realistically, I went, okay, 
So we, the last line of this fucking promo has to be rated R superstar. I'm not exaggerating. I think I, I think I'm pretty close to the time. I think he went another two minutes, oh. two minutes before we hit the line. It was brutal. He man. has a torn tricep. You're not on television. Why do you get that amount of time? Why? I, I just I can't. I just can't fucking do it. I'm glad You're we're on the same some... page. I am so glad because I saw the fucking internet and I'm like, man, Nestle's probably going to be with them. He's going to tear me apart. But I'm like, I can't be wrong on this. I literally missed the one-liner in the middle of the promo because I got so fucking bored I stopped paying attention. They tried their best with him. Yeah. But again, why are you giving somebody with an injury that much time? It's not worth it. It could You could have given, given the Iconics more time. You could have given Apollo Crews more time. The Viking Prophets match? Yeah, you could have given. You, there were too many people on that show that deserved more time. And I look, I love Edge, but as we talked about last week, leave him off the fucking show because we want to be remembering him. We don't want to be like, oh my god, here comes another Edge promo. Please stop. I don't want to say that. Me either. And on top of it, on top of it, they have Big Show and Randy Orton dragging his name through the fucking mud. So it's just like there's no chance for us to forget him right now. Obviously, he's on our minds, but god damn it. Like, this could have been an exclusive. This could have been something you put on Twitter, you know, in long form. Let's do that. Do that. That way I can miss it on my timeline. <laughs> but don't fucking, don't sit there and sit on your fucking computer and type to me that Edge is a good, like, no, no. If you, if you like long promos, that's fine. But I do, but this, this one was too long, man. Like, if you're going to do a long promo segment, I need more than, like, one thing, like, if it's one of those things, if you're going to do like a backstage type lawn promo, like change his scenery, have him move. Like I needed more. It's just like, just have him sit there. Like it was a cool look. I think our boy Ray Ray said it on Twitter. Like the background was cool. Like the lighting was cool, but like that should be two to three minutes tops. And this thing was almost 10. I got to say this much. I'll end on this. This was the Johnny Gargano of promo. <laughs> it went too fucking long. Low blow to TJ, TJ out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Wow. That's it. That's it. Wow. All right. Well, we spent entirely too much time on that, as Edge did on his promo. But, you know, I'm going to talk about the main event of Raw here. Um, And the biggest heat I have with this is the fact that this was the main event. You talk about being Championship Monday, and none of those championship matches that you had, um, I believe there are four of them, were the main event, which I think is a joke. I think the women's tag title would have been a good main event. I think it would have worked perfectly the way they did it. But for some reason, this segment was last. And I get it. Mysterio's coming back. But there just wasn't enough in here to make me be like, oh, yeah, that was great. And um, it's not, if this was in another part of the show, I probably wouldn't dislike it as much. But... I don't know about you, but this is the point when they lost me because I didn't mind the promos like whatever Mysterio talking to his kid like he's a kid in the middle of the rain. I actually didn't mind that like Seth coming out. But when they lost me was when we got the fucking rerunny feeling again of fucking Alistair Black and Humberto. Here come the cavalry and just attacking. There's two reasons why I don't like it. A, they've been the fucking filler until we get Mysterio back. So I've already seen this a million times. There's actually three points. B, Alistair Black shouldn't be doing this. It's not his type of character. It makes no fucking sense. Makes him look like an idiot. Whatever, Humberto, whatever. But the biggest thing that bothers me about this is if you're a heel and you have the numbers game and you already have two henchmen, you should never be outnumbered by baby faces. And it was four to three in favor of the good guys. That, to me, I never like. Because the whole point of being a bad guy is to get the numbers advantage as the good guys try to even the odds. And to me, this was the opposite effect. So it just... They, they completely lost me when Black and Humberto ran out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to add too much to the point, except that uh, you could literally, this is like uh, the Indiana Jones. I'm going to make a lot of comparisons to movies this week. This, this segment to me was like Indiana Jones. You could remove Indiana Jones from the movie, although it's a great movie, one of my favorites, and it literally could continue without this. You could literally take pretty much everybody out of this promo and nothing happened. Like yeah. nothing, nothing of substance happened in this promo so i was thinking to myself okay i'm gonna expunge it from my brain because robot the dominic or dominic the robot whatever you want to call him was there and that's it like every time dominic's on there unless he throws a sick 619 on brock lesnar and the frog splash that's the greatest thing that dominic will ever do in his life uh now so legitimately this, that, this kid is gonna be like the face of the company someday and you're gonna have to live with all this hate you've spewed on him when he's like fucking 20 years old or whatever that's fine. It's look, gonna look, 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 look. It's going to happen. You know business. it is. 
I'm in the business of being proven wrong every week. I mean, that's why people tune in, right? They that's love that they just love for me to eat crow. God knows I've eaten enough of it. So it's fine. Yeah. But right now, it's dreadful. It's a drizzling shit. Don't even. Don't even. Well, no, I'll say, I'll say this say. about this feud. Because all I care about in this feud is obviously Seth versus the Mysterios. I don't give a fuck about the background characters, and that's why it bothered me when those guys ran out. Like, we're, we've been in this feud so long, like, either, like, the next match needs to be Seth versus Ray or Seth versus Dominic. That's all I fucking want to see. I really want to see Seth versus Dominic and whatever they do with that. But I don't need these fucking side characters anymore. Ray is back. Dominic is there. I want the focus to be on those three individuals. Like, I love the other guys. They're all talented, but right now they're just getting in the way of the good part, the meat of this story. I've already had the sides. I've already had the appetizer. I want the fucking main course now. We're there. I only want Seth versus Ray, Seth versus Dominic. Until we get there, I don't give a fuck. I can agree more. Let's move on. Yeah, what else you We're got in the heat? We're going way too long. What else you got in the heat? No, nah, got... let's just move on. I think it's time to get hopeful. All right. Uh, glorious. You're my only hope. You want me to go first or you to go first? You tease first. Go ahead. All right. So my hope, as I teased earlier, has to do with this whole Sasha Bailey thing going on here. And obviously we now know Sasha is challenging for the Raw Women's title at Extreme Rules. So step one of my hope, Sasha Banks beating Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship and becoming... Uh, what do they call it? What do they call it? It's Becky two Becky dose straps. So we'd have Sasha dose straps. That would be quite the look is to have those two women carrying around all the woman's gold from the main roster. I think that would be great. And it would be perfect because that leads you up to like suddenly now, like they are, they're already everywhere. So why not give them all the titles? And I think even more intriguing now is they're on the same level. Cause a lot of it's been jealousy for Sasha and stuff along the way. So I do think before they break them up, it would be interesting to see them kind of on equal pecking ground. But also the other thing you have to remember is I believe Sasha has never held the SmackDown Women's title, so you can still use that as motivation. But nonetheless, so then suddenly they have all the gold. Well, at some point you got to lose all the gold. And I will say, you know what the Riot Squad never had? Tag Team Championships. So Liv and Ruby, build them back up, let them run through Natalia and Lana or whatever, have them eventually beat Sasha and Bayley. And maybe that starts the breakup, breakup process. So then all of a sudden you have, I don't know, Sasha defending against someone on Raw, whether it's Nia Jax or whoever, and somehow Bailey costs her the title. Inadvertently or whatever or whatever, but that's really like, suddenly Sasha has nothing again. And then you can ramp it up to have Sasha eventually do that turn on Bailey in a segment whether you do it on Raw, whether you do it on pay-per-view. That's the end game, is to have Sasha and Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title and Sasha eventually going over Bailey. But I think it could be a lot of fun along the way. I think involving Liv and Ruby would be a lot of fun because I think it would finally give them what they want. I think that'd be a great match too and a fun feud. So, uh, or the other option is, is maybe you do a winner-take-all at SummerSlam and you unify the women's championships, so then you only have one women's single champion. I'd be down for that. They aren't going to do that, but that'll kind of be like Hope B here on the scale, like the, this is kind of what we want, but whatever. But either way, I think there's a lot of fun to be done with this feud going forward, so that's my hope. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. Well, I kind of teased my hope about Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, so I'm just going to keep this short and sweet, hopefully. But there are many legs that you can go with this in different ways and different fashions. I was thinking about this very, very, very specifically. So Mandy Rose is specifically there in the WWE. I've lost my mind you know, numerous times. She throws terrible running knees every single time. She's That's on there for one reason. Because, it's because she, she's only there for one reason, obviously. And Mandy Rose is there because she uh, looks like somebody they put on the side of a truck, on a poster, whatever. Or, you know, in your Instagram feed. And that, that's because that's what she is. And obviously she has a role there, and that's fine. Sonya Deville is the meat. She's, she's, she can beat people up. She's good in the ring. She's everything that Mandy is not. They are the, the yin and yang. They both need each other. Um, however, I think when she said, Sonya said, I'm going to hurt your looks, I'm going to hurt you, I mean, then you're going to be as ugly on the outside as you are on the inside. I thought to myself, ooh, this would be great. Now, again, this is a dream scenario. This isn't something that actually could potentially happen, but I can see it happening, right? Sonya Deville is going to find a way to make Mandy Rose ugly. That's basically what we want, right? What I see happening is we let Mandy Rose, you do something where you're like, oh, Mandy Rose is gone for a week. She's going to be on a photo shoot and um, she's going to be on the new Maxim cover. Whatever, you can make up something, you know, whatever. So they do that. And then they come back next week and they're like, uh, we have some disturbing footage. Um, and essentially... You know, 
we see Sonya Deville crash the photo shoot, beat the living shit out of Mandy, and just hurt her in some way. Like, you give her a fat lip. You do something, right? So then you see that the lips got a little bit of blood on them, then she can't do her photo shoot. She ruins the photo shoot. She's going to be on Instagram with a, with a bum lip, whatever. Next week on Raw, I'm sorry, on SmackDown, maybe they're doing a gimmick where there's something where, you know, Otis needs to see her, but she's in the shower. Mandy Rose somehow has the shampoo changed so her hair is no longer blonde and it's some ridiculously gross color and she just looks haggard and terrible. Again, slowly but surely killing the look of Mandy Rose. Maybe it's the next week Sonya Deville finds out where Mandy likes to go tanning and somehow straps her in the tanning bed for an extra five minutes and cooks her, burns her a little bit. Shit like that. And then finally, I think the uh, cherry on top, although JC hates cherries, maraschino cherries yeah. are the best. JC, you should try those. Ooh. You find a way for Sonya Deville to break Mandy Rose's nose so that she has to wear a mask and is considered ugly and hideous and all that stuff. So then by then, every part of her face will be rearranged in some form of fashion from Sonya Deville. And I think, again, in this particular case where we don't want to see a lot of the wrestling because you know, it's not necessarily the greatest part of it. The trash talking is the best, and Sonya Deville needs to that superstardom uh, rocket strap. I think this is where we can go with it. And as I'm looking at pictures here, thinking about things, I mean, there's there, you know, you've got to look at it. She's going to be on everything. She's going to be on posters and stuff. She wouldn't be on a program. She wouldn't be on a coaster. She wouldn't be on, on a cup if she had a black eye or a broken nose or a terrible hair. Or maybe she shaves her head by accident, shit like that. So that's what I would love to see. When you said uh, Mandy with a mask, I actually got excited. I think that could actually be a lot of fun, and that's a very feasible direction they could go with it, with your tease, is to somehow do something to her face where she has to wear a mask. I think that would be really interesting. But my only – I just have one follow-up question because this is something I've been thinking about because obviously this feud has been so hot, but Mandy is still so attached to Otis as well. Does Otis's trajectory of the WWE, WWE Universal Championship have to correlate with this Mandy and Sonya stuff somehow? Because it just feels weird, like, if people do, if Mandy is going to turn on Otis, but does she have to, like, how does that correlate with this whole Sonya feud? Because it just feels like the two would clash with each other. I just don't see Mandy, I don't see Mandy turning on Otis anymore. I think that ship has sailed. I can see Mandy and Sonya getting in the middle of a match that is like he cashes in and in the background, Mandy is going to be hurt in some random fucking way by Sonya. Like that's maybe where she gets her nose or face broken. Interesting. Okay. And, and Otis has to leave the ring and gets counted out in his, you know, his big moment or something. And then he has to blame, you know, his peach. So that's what I think. That wouldn't be a bad way to go. I kind of like it, uh, but we need to move on because, geez, we are, we, this has been a good one. That's a lot of content this week. We're going to go to the comeback and mine is going to go, to someone who's just here to show the world, man. Dolph Ziggler. We finally found out that AJ Styles trade was uh, AJ Styles for Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, who I completely forgot existed. But uh, we're going to focus on Dolph Ziggler here because, you know, one thing about this, Dolph Ziggler, the ultimate plug-and-play guy in WWE, like they, he always gets these one-month or two-month championship feuds, and he always loses. And he's definitely probably going to lose this one too. But the reason why he's getting my comeback and why I actually don't mind this one is that there is history of Ziggler tire. Uh, I believe Ziggler called it a dominant tag team title run. I believe they had those titles for like a week and a half. But nonetheless, uh, I understand their point. He is the one that did bring McIntyre up to the main roster. He is the one that really helped him get his foot back in the door and start his ascent. So I don't mind that this guy, you know, he wants his cash back. And also the way I look at it is this Ziggler in these short-term feuds He's so good on the mic that it's going to be a good lead-up, and you know it's going to be a good match. I think he's really going to make Drew look good. Uh, Big Daddy Claymore, by the way, all in, baby. I fucking loved it. When I heard Big Daddy Claymore, I was like, ah, oh, this is something that I will love and Nessa will hate. So Dolph Ziggler, though, he gets my comeback. No, I just, I, Drew McIntyre needs to stop with these shitty fucking names. <laughs> like, that's what it comes down to. Big Daddy like, Claymore. The sexy Clayton, sorry, not sexy Claymore, the sexy Scotsman or like <laughs> whatever he fucking like. Nicknames are better when somebody gives you the nickname. You can't give yourself a nickname. It doesn't work that the way. The sexy right? Scotsman? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So Big Daddy Claymore was stupid. It's like, and do you really want to compare, as, as we made a joke in the, the thread, or I think PJ or Ray Ray made a comment, uh, about Big Daddy Cool uh, is what, you know, Drew McIntyre is to, to, um, to Ziggler. Yeah, I love it. But God damn it. 
It's just so stupid. It's just so fucking... Like, you want to be compared to Diesel? Get the fuck out of here. You know, like, Diesel was one of the worst champions in WWE history. So let's move on. Let's move on. My my comeback this week goes to Akira Tozawa. I did not expect to want to see more ninjas. I think Tony Nese is actually one of the ninjas, if you look closely. <laughs> Poor Tony Nese. All abs. That's it. You can't even see him because he's covered up. But, uh, look, Tozawa wins. Look. It's interesting. It's different. I mean, they spun off something from the Street Profits Viking Raiders thing. Where now they got ninjas. I think it'll give our truth something to do. Um, you know, I I appreciate that Tazawa has gone in full full tilt on this thing, and it's nice to see him on television. So my comeback goes to Akira Tazawa. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I love this because Tazawa's a guy that's like, how is he going to work on the main roster? Like, he's a very good wrestler. He's very talented, but how does it work? This gimmick, no matter what you want to say about it, like, it's fucking money. It might be a short-term thing, but for right now, I love the role in it. And like you said, very happy for him. Should we get to the big all finish? Let's do it. All right. Well, I'm going to run through um, Jobberknocker.com. That's the website. You can find all the links to the podcast. Uh, iTunes, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, archived on YouTube. Uh, so make sure you five-star, five flames. It helps us a lot. It is the currency of the podcast, so we appreciate you guys that. Jobberknocker.com, as I mentioned, that's our website. The weekly NXT and AEW articles have been fire, as always, from TJ and Joe. NXT UK and NWA Power will return when those return. But also, uh, our boy TJ had a great write-up. Uh, if you guys have been watching the Undertaker Last Ride series, I read it last night. Is it a great read? So definitely check that out. It should be in the featured column of the website as well as uh, check out a lot of the other archived articles. You mentioned DQ's one in there. That one did really well about his wrestling fandom. It is also still a very good read. A lot of timely stuff that will last for a lot of time, so make sure you check out that stuff. Twitter at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock 47 at TJ of the JK, and at the Real Deal B Cox. Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker, because we are everywhere you want to be on social media. And I gotta say, there's not really much I'm looking forward to next week because I'm mean, it's all over the goddamn place. There's so. nothing advertised oh. really, except for AJ and uh, Gulak, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, but I'm not necessarily excited about it. So we'll see what the Firefly Funhouse has. We'll see if I get to put my detective hat on. But most importantly, folks, make sure if you're shopping, you buy that two buck chuck. That's what you got to do, folks. We'll see you next week for more jobber knockery. <laughs>